Hello, and welcome to the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self sufficiency. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 244 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today we are continuing with our 4B4 series and today being August it is the four things to do before the end of August. And as we are now into August, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, that means that we're starting to think more about the end of our main crop season than we are the beginning. And some things have finished, some things have been finished for a little while. Everything that is going to crop is cropping. And we're starting to think about our winter crops a little bit more and you know things that are coming to an end and need replacing or just pulling out our potatoes if yours are lucky enough not to have survived any blight then they're probably our main crop potatoes would be you know just getting ready to come out the ground fairly soon our first and second earlies would be out and a lot of our broad beans and early crops will be finished so It's a transitional period for sure here in the Northern Hemisphere. And that's going to be reflected, I think, in today's 4B4. So the first one on our list is to plan and think about seed saving. Now, perhaps you're already saving seeds. Perhaps you've already saved, for instance, as I've mentioned, the broad beans that will have finished. You've already saved them. But now's a good time, if you haven't already, to plan what seeds you're going to save and it's quite a lot to think about really if it's not something that you've done before if it is if you're an old hat then please do also see if you can save a few different seeds and you know think about things a little bit more deeply perhaps than you have previous years so the first thing to think about is which plants are you going to save seeds from now i've already mentioned broad beans and of course beans and peas and things like that are some of the easiest seeds to save purely because of the size of the seed and the fact that that's the part of the plant we're already saving it's super super simple but we needn't stop there so have a little think about what plants you would like to save your seeds for and when you're doing that really I'm going to suggest that in you know when we start narrowing things down things are going to go into this funnel and at the top we've got everything we grow and then out the bottom we're going to get a slightly narrowed version of all the seeds that we're going to save because there are some seeds perhaps we won't choose to save but uh, well depending on how skilled you are at it and how much of an old hand you are perhaps you do save all your seeds and if so my hat is off to you dear sir or madam but if you don't for most of us mere mortals there's going to be a few seeds that we probably purchase every year and it's about working out that funnel working out which which of our plants we're going to discount which we're not going to discount for saving seeds so which seeds will you want to save from 
next year. And I would suggest that the first phase in this step is to think, well, which of my plants am I going to grow next year? And if you're growing something this year and you're going to grow it next year, then we've met that requirement. And the next requirement might be to have a little bit of research online about pollination habits, because some plants are very, very monogamous and will only pollinate with their own varieties or even their own plant and you're going to get basically clones of the parent plant whereas other plants are much more liberal with their pollination habits and will cross-pollinate things like gourds and squash I think I'm writing saying right across the board are very very liberal and it's very very difficult not impossible at all but very very difficult compared to some other plants to get true seeds so just have a think and check and research the pollination habits of each plant and when you're doing this we're going to come back to this a little bit later in today's episode one of our other notes but you know find somewhere where you can keep all these notes so you don't have to do the same every year because while you're doing this little bit of research, and this will actually be useful to you guys in the Southern Hemisphere who are at the opposite end of the season and are just thinking about where you're going to be planting things this spring, but have a little bit of knowledge of the pollination habits of each plant because if you have two or three different varieties of plant that will cross-pollinate but you want to save seeds and you don't want them to cross-pollinate, then now's the time to think about that. You know, it's a bit late now for us here in the UK, but perhaps with judicious use of some netting or screening or just location of where you plant them, you might be able to save some seeds that you otherwise wouldn't be able to. And then also do a little bit of research on the actual seed saving process. You know, it's not the same process to save seeds from a tomato plant, say, as it is a carrot plant or a cucumber. They all require a different process. So do a little bit of research on that. And, you know, then just note the habits of your actual crops and which plants are you going to want to save the seeds from? Because, of course, you're going to want to save the seeds from your best performing plants, not the ones who really, really struggled and perhaps succumbed to disease a little bit earlier than the others. You know, you're going to want to save the genetics from your strongest, healthiest, highest yielding plants. So when you've done all that, the last thing to do really is to just have a plan in place for where and how you're going to actually save the seeds all nicely labeled for next year so that you're not fumbling around next year in a big pot full of beans and peas and other random seeds and brassica seeds that you can't tell apart that you haven't labeled it's definitely worth doing some thinking and planning now if you haven't already and of course there are other plants that perhaps you might leave in the ground for instance carrots which are biannuals if you wanted to save carrot seeds then perhaps you're going to want to leave just two or three in in the ground till next year when you can harvest the seeds not necessarily something you want to do perhaps but definitely something to think about so that's the first on our list of our four things to do before the end of august plan your seed saving next up 
is to sew something. Believe it or not, you can still be sewing. You absolutely should be sewing in August. Now, I have been really guilty over the last month or so, and I've really neglected my sewing and I'm going to hazard a guess that I'm not alone. It is a really, really frequent problem or mistake that we can make because at this time of year we're so busy doing other things. I've certainly been so, so busy weeding and harvesting and doing all those other things that you can forget to sow things. The garden looks so busy but then all of a sudden you pull out half of your crop of your you know because your potato plants took up such a big space and I'm speaking for myself now and all of a sudden you're thinking well perhaps I should have been sowing a little bit more but you can still be sowing you can be sowing right now now in the next week or two I'm going to be releasing an episode which is all about what you can still be sowing in August but please please dear listener do not wait for that episode get something in this week this month if you haven't already because we can still be sowing some of our fast growing crops things like lettuce spring onions and rocket they're all going to do just fine sowing right now same as radish I actually stop growing radish usually in the midsummer and around now is when I might think about starting to sow them again for another few weeks because in the middle of the summer they just get so so hot Um, this year I've actually sown right through because I've been saving some of them for I've been drying them and grinding them up into a powder to use as a pepper replacement because they're actually really good as like a white pepper replacement but uh that's by the by. That, that's uh, really for another episode. But uh, yeah, carry on sowing your fast growing crops and also think about your winter salads, which you can also be sowing right now. Things like mizuna, mustard leaf, lamb's lettuce and also other things like I know that just recently I sent off my last set of walking onion bulbs to two patrons who had been patiently waiting for them, and that's uh, Vicky and Julie. You should have received those by now. Those definitely want sewing, but also I'm thinking of things like chard and perpetual spinach, both of which you can sow now. It would have been ideal to have got your chard in a few weeks ago, I think, but you can still sow it now, and it should establish in time to go right through the winter for you. Certainly the perpetual spinach will. So... Those are some things you can be sowing right now. And it's really important because even if you're not looking at empty space in your garden right now, you probably will be soon because fairly soon you're all we're all going to have crops that have finished. You know, our onions should be ready by now to come out or very, very close to it. Our main crop potatoes, if you live in the UK, then you've done very well this year to have avoided blight and still have them in the ground. So you've either already taken them out or they're going to be coming out very very soon and these all leave a big gap behind so make sure that you have plenty ready to fill that space you can now support the show directly just go to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub you can become a patron and set up to donate to the show from any amount pledging as little as three dollars a month makes a huge difference If that's not your thing, you can also support the show by sharing it with people you know or posting about it on social media. We really appreciate all the help that you give us. It's people like you 
that make this show possible. Next up in our four things to do before the end of August. So we've spoke about planning our seed saving. We've spoke about sowing. And the opposite end of the plant's life when we're sowing is the harvesting. And that, if you're anything like me, will lead to some gluts. And we want to think about preserving. So preserving something should be on your list of four things to do before the end of August. Now, even if you don't grow for gluts, if you only sort of grow enough that you can harvest and use up straight away, I think that's fantastic. But maybe think about preserving something nonetheless, because even if you could eat it fresh, perhaps just having a small go at drying a small amount of herbs for use in the winter or even fruit is going to sort of open up a whole new avenue and doorway for you to have a play around with and think about and perhaps inspire you to grow more next year and grow for gluts next year. Now, one thing I would suggest is that if you do only grow enough for you to use fresh and perhaps you don't want to diminish that produce by preserving it when you can eat it fresh i'm all for that i completely understand your thinking but there's lots and lots of foraging can be done and we're not quite there yet for most varieties but some of the early apples are ready and at least here in the uk we can all find some apple trees if we go out on a walk and it's really easy to harvest an absolute abundance of apples. Now, having said that, I've actually noticed that a lot of the apple trees in our orchard have had a really, really poor year. And I, I put that down to, I think, the really late hard frosts that we were getting because... I think they might have sort of burnt the blossom and killed the blossoms off. I'm not sure, but it's been an awful year for apple trees in our garden and also in the neighbouring orchard. So that's something to bear in mind. But there are things out there that you can forage for and create your own gluts. Blackberries is a great one. And preserving can be anything. So the whole idea of this four before series is to push yourself a little bit so when I list things so you know for instance this month we've spoken about saving seeds and what I'm suggesting that you do for this four before if every year you save your broad bean seeds and nothing else then perhaps be hard on yourself and say your broad bean seeds don't count for fulfilling this box this year and you need to find one other thing you know it's just about pushing yourself a little bit so you know same applies to the sewing so a little bit more than you perhaps otherwise would have or a different variety of something and when it comes to preserving if all you've ever done is frozen things and and please don't take this the wrong way it's not a knock on that at all you know it, every single thing you do believe me I think is amazing. I think every single piece of produce that you grow yourself is a huge win and I think it's fantastic. This is just an invitation really to stretch yourself and do a little bit more and the idea is that if you kind of looked back over the year and you completed all of the four befores then you personally would be in a better position than you would have been otherwise. And I want that to apply to everybody, regardless of their skill set, their ability and their experience. So just bear that in mind. This is an invitation to push yourself a little bit. And the world of preserving is a great world within which to do that, because we've all used a freezer 
If you live in the first world these days, you almost certainly have a freezer. We currently have four freezers, which is ridiculous and uh, will be the subject of a future oddments, I'm sure. But uh, we've recently have to, had to buy a fourth freezer. Um, I won't get too much into that here, but, you know, freezing is the go-to method of preserving. But, you know, even that has got a little bit more to it than you might think. There are lots of things that you can't just throw in the freezer and think that you're going to defrost and get away with it and then perform just as well as if they were fresh. So lots of things you will need to actually do a little bit of research about how to freeze them. Can you freeze them? Do you need to blanch them? Blanching is basically the process of part boiling them. The idea being this changes the chemical makeup of the cells and it basic, basically means that when the moisture content within the cells expands, when you freeze them, it doesn't burst the cell walls, making your produce all soggy and gloopy and not as pleasant. So that's blanching. And if you've never blanched something, then perhaps that's all you need to do to fulfill this requirement. Now, there are some grey areas. For instance, green beans. Now, I have frozen green beans straight from the plant, defrosted them, cooked them. Fantastic. But I've also blanched them and the difference is noticeable, but it's not you know, enough to put me off doing it if I don't have time. You know, when I say doing it, I mean freezing them without blanching them. So, you know, look into it, experiment and see what works for you. Perhaps try brining something if you've never done that before. Make some chutneys or some jams. Jams are a great one. Again, if you're not producing enough produce to do much preserving, go out and pick some blackberries and preserve them by making your own jams. Then if you want to keep things really simple, you could go as simple as drying things. We love drying fruit and dried apples is a family staple here. And I think we our dehydrator has been going probably two weeks now, pretty much nonstop drying apples because it's something we don't want to run out of. And I think we made it through to about four or five weeks ago, we ran out of last year's dried apple. So do try that if you haven't. They're almost like candies, like sweets. They're a fantastic little product. You can make fruit leathers, you can dry pears, plums, you name it. So drying is a great way of doing it. And again, there's lots and lots of methods. We use a dehydrator, you can air dry, sun dry, you can use your oven. Do your own research. I've done episodes on it, I'm sure. If not, I will. <laughs> but uh, yeah, drying, fermenting, try try making sauerkraut. If you're growing cabbages, you've probably got enough spare to make a small jam jar of sauerkraut. Give it a go. It's surprisingly simple. Again, research a recipe online and just give it a go. Same applies with canning. Now, you can water bath can something with pretty much no equipment whatsoever or you can pressure can. Now, that's something I haven't actually ever tried, but I do know that Alan over at the Urban Homesteading Podcast UK has just started pressure canning, and uh, I really look forward to their upcoming episode on that. So there you go. That's number three is preserve something. We should all be at the stage now where we're starting to think about preservation as much as we are anything else because we're at the, the glut end of the stick, if you like. And finally, and this is a big one that we can all do and we can all do better if we already do it, I'm sure, is start recording your results. Start making some notes and recording 
what's worked and what hasn't. Make some notes about what the weather's been like this year in your area. You know, how much rain have you had? When did that rain come? What sort of temperatures have you had? When was your last frost date? If you remember, if you don't, I'm sure you could probably still find it online somewhere for your area when when it actually was this year versus when it was expected. And then what did you sow? Make a note of all the things you sowed, where they were sown, when did you sow them? How did you sow them? You know, did you sow them in modules and then plant them out? Did you direct sow them? And then once you've got all that information, what were the winners and losers? What worked really well and what didn't? What varieties worked better than others? Where did you get your best yields? Which plants were most robust against pests, etc., etc.? Did you use bought seeds? Excuse me, bought seeds, or did you use saved seeds? And if they were bought, where were they bought from? What were the germination rates? Now's the time, if you haven't already, to start making all of these notes. Now, of course, you won't remember all of those things. You were, I certainly wouldn't be able to tell you the, my germination rates for all of the things that I sown. And this is a case where I need to practice what I preach more than I do. I do make notes, but I do kind of rely on my YouTube channel to look back on and, you know, keep me abreast of winners and losers. But, you know, now's the time to really start taking note because now you can look back at the season, look at your plants and work out what worked. Now, critically, this is really important. Don't take that then as your Bible for next year and think that if something failed this year, you must not plant it next year if this is your first year because every year there are winners and losers. For instance, if this was my first ever season, I would have got a ridiculously low amount of tomatoes before all my plants got blight and I threw them out. But the last two years, we had huge gluts of tomatoes. So, you know, if I only looked at this year's results, I might choose never to grow tomatoes again. And that would be a mistake. Equally, last year, we really struggled with beetroots and we just got awful yields, really, for the amount of work we put in. Whereas the year before and this year, beetroots have done really, really well. Same goes for potatoes. Last year, we really struggled. The blight came super early and we just got a pathetic number of potatoes. This year, although we've also had the early blight, the yields have been massive. So it's worth making these notes, not as a one-year snapshot to make all your decisions off next year, but more that you can build up an encyclopedic knowledge over time of what's working and what's not working for you and then you can also try different methods of doing things you know there's so many combinations sowing something in modules in the greenhouse versus direct sowing versus sowing it early versus sowing it late all of those things then over time you're just going to be able to work out what combinations work best for you and your climate and your environment and your garden anyway i think that just about wraps us up so just to reiterate and uh, sum up then this month's four things to do before the end of August plan your seed saving if you haven't already started sow something we should all be sowing something in August it's really important and really easy not to 
preserve something. And if you don't have a glut of something to preserve, then go forage something and make one. Alternatively, of course, find someone else. Someone else probably does have a glut and they'd be only too happy for you to preserve some for them and maybe split whatever it is you make from the preserving. And then finally start recording your results from this year. And lots of these can actually be done whichever hemisphere you're in. So the seed saving idea and planning is something you can do in the springtime as well. So definitely be doing that whichever hemisphere you're in. Not so much the preserving, I suppose, although you will have to tell me. I'm not sure how it looks down there in your springtime, whether you have the sort of spring or winter crops different than we do so that you are able to grow for gluts all year round. I'm not sure. Uh, so something, well, obviously in the Southern Hemisphere, you can be doing that and recording your results. Well, the springtime is the best time to start doing that, really, and making a note of what you're planting and all of those other elements. Anyway, that's going to wrap us up for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I will speak to you all really soon. Cheers. If you find this podcast valuable, there's several ways you can support it. The easiest of which is to rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. You could also talk about it or share it wherever you post online, including your social media pages. And now you can support the podcast directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you soon.